Hi, you guys. I'm Kat, and I hope you come hang out with me on Kat Sadler Now. On my weekly podcast, I continue to ask the questions. I've been interviewing people for more than 25 years now, but that doesn't mean I've found all the answers. Make sure to listen to Kat Sadler Now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And we're the hosts of the Anxiety Chicks podcast, where we dive deep into the reality of anxiety, nutrition, and mental health. Listen as we explore all things anxiety healing while keeping it real, including our own struggles with mental health. We'll bring our expertise as healing professionals to the conversation while discussing the tools and strategies you need to heal the anxious mind. Listen to the Anxiety Chicks on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. I'm Taylor. I'm Allison Sepinera. And we are so excited to be back this week. We are doing our Q&A episode a little late into the month because we had some guests and just some stuff, but we are happy to get it in because we know a bunch of you guys love the Q&A episode. And we have four questions for you today. It's going to be about a 30-minute episode. So join us as we get into these. Allison, would you like to start with the first question? Sure. Um, Okay. So someone asked, what if I feel anxious in my relationship, but feel happy at the same time? What should I do? Okay. So, I mean, here's the thing. You can feel a lot of different emotions at the same time. That's just life. You can feel happy. You can also feel sad. You can feel anxious. Um, I think that it's actually a a positive thing that you do feel happy in your relationship. Now, we no one feels happy every single second of the day. Um, but if you feel like fulfilled and you feel confident and secure in your relationship, I think that's definitely brownie points. I think that's great. Um, I would kind of ask yourself what you're anxious about within the relationship. Um, you know, most important things about relationships and that make them successful is open communication and trusting the person. So, being able to really openly communicate what you're feeling anxious about with your partner is going to be the first step that I would say. So anything that's making you feel uncomfortable about your relationship or what's going on, 100% communicate that with your partner. Um, Let them know how you're feeling. Let them know what's going on in your mind. And, um, you know, there's so many different reasons why you can feel anxious in a relationship. I don't know exactly what this is, um, but 100% communication is the most effective way to process and learn about why and feel better. So that would be my suggestion. I love that. That's good. And I think it's like, I think if you struggle with anxiety, you can sometimes mistake like something feeling good for overthinking it and then getting anxious about it and then questioning why you're anxious with someone when it's not even like their fault. And like, you'd maybe feel that way with everybody. Totally. Yeah, totally. And honestly, it might be helpful to go back and listen to episode 17 about relationship anxiety. We talked about that. Um, a lot about what it feels like to be anxious in a relationship and if you struggle with anxious attachment or whatnot, but it might be helpful. So go back to episode 17 and listen to that for sure. Awesome. Okay. Next question. How do I manage anxiety before a competition or something that involves me to get focused and locked in? I think this could be for like a test too, right? Just like anything in life where it's something you're really looking forward to and like 
you want to do good at it and you're scared of failing. I think that's where a lot of our anxiety begins is these scenarios of thinking about immediately jumping to the worst case scenario that I'm going to fail, right? Hmm. So what I try and tell myself is like, but what if I succeed? What if I win? If I don't give myself the opportunity to jump in and try, how will I ever know? I will immediately always just assume that I'm going to fail and that I'm just a failure. But if you challenge those anxious thoughts with actually putting in the work, actually trying, actually doing it, and maybe even proving yourself wrong or maybe even failing, there's so much growth and learning to failing too. It gets easier next time. You're more prepared. You learn how to feel. You learn how to um, accept that it's okay to not be the best and that there's room for growth. I mean, a lot of times, like even with athletes, if you look into like how they talk about their career and stuff, it's even people with careers, like even people who have created the coolest things in this world, in, in this world, when you look at their process of how they got there, they failed a lot on the way, right? And what if they let that fear of being so scared to fail hold them back from ever moving forward? So you have to tell yourself that. Like, I don't think there's anybody on this earth who's just immediately jumped into something and was immediately successful at it their whole life, like never had a speed bump. Like just allow, allowing yourself to fail too. I think that's like a big key is like allowing it, like yeah. being okay with the outcome if it was to come. Yeah. I think there's, I think people's put so much pressure on themselves. Again, when you struggle with anxiety, a lot of people struggle with perfection and perfection doesn't exist. So, you know, that's why sports psychology is huge because a lot of athletes are very, very type A and very, very mm -hmm. much perfectionist. They, they see a certain number and they want to be the best. They want to be the best. But then what does that mean if you're the best? Do you automatically just have the best self-esteem or something and your life is just perfect because you're won a gold medal? Like, I don't believe in that, honestly. <laughs> so like, I think that managing your expectations for yourself and learning how to make mistakes and learning that mistakes don't mean you're a failure. And I don't even actually like that word, fail. Because, like even in schools when it's like, you got an F, like that just, it just sounds so harsh. I know. And so negative. And actually, some schools have gone away with like passer, like the failure. And it's more of like not an F. You get like an, an, a certain number. But um, yeah, I, I think just being able to to recognize that, you know, you everybody has certain strengths and you're going to have some strengths that other people don't have. And that's going to make you amazing. But nothing is ever going to be perfect. You're never going to be perfect at anything. And that's actually good. That's a good thing. You don't want, why would you want to be perfect? I mean, talk about living up to like expectations and having to, I mean, it doesn't even exist. There's no measure for it anyway. So I think, you know, giving yourself some grace, gosh, not having to be like, a certain way all the time, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. So something you might not know about me is that I grew up with like two different cats that were seriously my best friends. I hung out with them all the time and miss them so much. And while I have a dog now, I get to babysit my sister's cat, Silver, 
And she's so cute. But when I babysit, I also need to like clean the litter sometimes and have to feed her and just make sure I love her so much like she's mine. And so when Sylvie's healthy and happy and looking good and feeling good, it makes me happy. And it also makes my niece and nephew very happy because they're really the ones that take care of her and love her so much. Um, my 15-year-old nephew, Paolo, actually loves the cat more than I think his family. So <laughs> he always talks to me about how scared he is when Sylvie looks sick or he's acting strange. And this is why I was so excited to have them try Pretty Litter. And I brought it to my nephew and I told him, I said, listen, make sure that you check out the litter and the color after Sylvie urinates, check out the color of the pee and I gave him this little um, like health monitor that the Pretty Litter gives you, and you can notice by the different colors if your cat is actually either sick or has some type of potential illness. Um, it really tracks like urinary tract inf infections and kidney issues, and he was so excited. I, I could tell that he was so anxious about not knowing if Sylvie was sick, and so when I gave him this pretty litter. He was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I can actually, we can actually get help for Sylvie before something becomes really urgent and serious. And I said, exactly. And it made his kitty litter experience so much more fun, I guess, with pretty litter. Um, but yeah, I was so excited to give this to him and, and to have them use it. But some other reasons why they said they love pretty litter, that it's honestly just made of ultra absorbent crystals that actually trap odor really instantly. So there's no like gross cat bathroom smell. And Paolo loves this because he's the one cleaning the litter all the time. So he keeps telling me, oh my gosh, it smells so good. There's no smell. It doesn't even smell gross like it used to. I said, I know pretty litter's the best, let me tell you. Um, and then another thing he actually told me, is that when he was putting it, the pretty litter into the litter box, he was like, the crystals are so soft and they're so light and it's not really as dusty as other litters. And he said, it's not even like messy when he cleans it. I said, I know, this is what's cool about pretty litter. So he's very excited. I'm very excited because when I have to babysit, then I have to sometimes clean it too. Um, but the coolest part is that Pretty Litter ships free right to their door in uh, this small, lightweight bag, and they never really run out of it um, because it's not really taking up space, and it's not really this huge bag. It's not stinking, and it comes every month. So I'm so excited about Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash anxietychicks and use code anxietychicks to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash anxietychicks. Use code anxietychicks to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash anxietychicks. Code anxietychicks. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Are you that one friend in the friend group that loves to treat yourself? It's okay. Honestly, we all do it. You know, get a pedicure and opt for the extra 10-minute foot massage with green tea-infused lotion, refuse to make coffee at home because that fancy coffee shop is right downstairs, 
opt for that extra legroom seat on the plane because now your vacation starts now, always buy double at a sale because it's actually like saving money. Well, if you treat yourself to the top options with everything in life, why settle, why settle when finding a doctor? It is your health after all. Enter ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book tens of thousands of top-tier doctors, all with patient reviews, verified. So don't settle. Go for the best and find the right doctor for you. With ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with the receptionist. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated patient reviews, credible doctors, and specialists. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat basically any condition you're searching for. The typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 to 74 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. I use this, and you should too. Go to ZocDoc.com slash AnxietyChicks and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash AnxietyChicks. ZocDoc.com slash AnxietyChicks. Okay, next one. All right. Have I ever lost my appetite when I was anxious? Um, Okay. I would assume, I don't like to assume, you know, a lot because when you assume you make an ass out of you and me, you know, um, but I, I would go and I'd put money down that almost everybody listening to this has at one point felt like lack of appetite or felt like their stomach churn or like felt nauseous when they're anxious at some point, maybe not every single time, but at some point and has that happened to me? 100%. I mean, my biggest, when I am anxious, my biggest physical response is for me, my stomach and getting, and, and my throat closing. Um, and just feeling really nauseous and feeling like I'm going to throw up. And there's like science behind that, right? So, so much of the chemicals that we produce in our brain that makes us feel balanced, like our serotonin and those happy chemicals are produced in our gut. So, if our gut's not happy, then our we're going to feel anxious. If we're anxious, our gut's not going to be happy. I mean, it's kind of like the chicken or the egg. You never know. You know, is my stomach hurting because I'm anxious or am I anxious because my stomach's hurting? I don't know. So it's very, very common that you would maybe lose your appetite or feel nauseous or just feel, yeah, just to have that like gross, icky feeling with your stomach when you're anxious or you're scared. Um, I mean, that's why, you know, when you think about when someone says I have butterflies in my stomach, like a kid, a little kid is like, I have butterflies in my stomach. Even adults still say it. There's a reason that that's literally very true. It's because your stomach and what's going on in your brain is not able to regulate and process, um, you know, certain biological functions that make you feel calm because you're scared. So it's all connected. 
that's my, my mind and body are connected and has that yes happened to me oh my gosh all the time that's literally i i now know when i'm in certain situations that i know i'm going to be nervous about and scared and worried like the other day I had a networking event and it was going to be like 20 women I had never met. And every time I go to this networking event, you have to stand up and you say a little bit about yourself and about what you do. And it's kind of like a little pitch. And it's like this 30 second pitch. You know, I say I'm the anxiety healer and I have this whole spiel, right? You want to really draw people in. And I always get so anxious before I have to do that. But of course, like the lunch comes right before that. And I'm like, there's no way I could even touch this food right now until after I do that 30 second like introduction. I have to go up in the front of these women and my lunch is sitting there. And it's like, sometimes my lunch can be sitting there for like 15 minutes. And I'm like, I cannot touch that. I'm not even wanting it. I'm not even hungry because I'm so nervous about making this little 10 second speech or whatever. And then after that, I'm like, okay, I feel better. And I actually feel like I can eat and kind of just relax a little bit. So it's just, it's now I know my body so well. And I know that, you know, it's probably not. And and a lot of actually my clients, my adolescent clients that are in high school, a lot of them have a really hard time eating breakfast because they feel kind of like so rushed in the morning to get to school. And they're kind of nervous about the day ahead. And then once they get to lunch, they're feeling a little bit better and then they can eat lunch. So sometimes I'll suggest maybe making a smoothie, having something in the morning because you need to have some breakfast. It's important. So, you know, maybe like a smoothie, something that's like not hard to swallow, stuff like that. So that helps. But yeah, I don't know. Has that ever happened to you, your stomach? Yeah, no, definitely when I get nervous, um, you can just like, or your heart's racing fast. I feel like the lot, because when your heart's racing fast and you're in fight or flight, the blood actually leads, like leaves places like your digestive system and goes to your extremities. So your body really isn't in the mood to digest food at that point. So when we're super anxious, digesting food is going to be the last thing our body cares about. So that can make us a bit queasy, you know? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and that's just very, very common. So I I can imagine that everybody listening is like, okay, that definitely has happened to me at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Next question. Is sleep anxiety a thing? I have been dealing with waking up and heart palpitations. I got to say the first time my, like I've recognized panic disorder and just like really bad anxiety in myself. I felt like it was nighttime was the absolute worst. Like something about the darkness, right? When I was getting into bed, the night coming to an end, the silence, it just, it would spiral me. I felt like that's when I experienced anxiety, the absolute worst, because I feel like during the day, like, especially when it's sunny outside, there's a lot you're visually seeing and visuals and and just stimulation in in general. Like you're just constantly stimulated by things. There's not, there's distractions everywhere you look, right? But at night when everything's silent and quieting down, it's almost like that's the time when your brain has the most time to think and like see how you're feeling. And so, yes, it was like really big for me at night to experience a panic attack, especially right before going to bed. And I feel like I would also have just like horrible palpitations right before going to bed too. Um, And it was because I was feeling so anxious or like overwhelmed or whatever. So I definitely feel like my anxiety was the highest at night when I was dealing with really bad anxiety. Um, 
I also just like don't like nighttime. There's something about the darkness that I just really hate. It just feels depressing and like a dark bubble. Like I definitely love longer days. Like I'm very much so looking forward to March where we roll the clocks. Um, and that will be a lot better because I hate short nights. I feel like I have no hours in the day and then I just feel like it's just a black hole. It's the hardest thing to explain. But um, Allison, what about you? Did you, when you were having like a lot of anxiety, was it more, was there ever a time you noticed like morning or night or no? Yeah, I, I'm the same as you where I actually don't love, like I love longer days. I love, I mean, it's no surprise to anyone listening if you're a fan for a while that I talk about nature all the time and being outside um, and just wanting to be outside as much as I can. And of course, when it gets darker out, like, no, you're not going to do that as much or when it gets colder out. Um, So I definitely find myself during those like cold winter days that are darker, feeling more anxious and a little bit more depressed because um, anxiety and depression, they kind of go hand in hand many times. And yeah, I just feel myself isolating a little bit more and not really getting so panicky. Like I don't really get like panic attacks more often, but I definitely feel like isolated a little bit more. And I feel like mm-hmm. I feel I do feel like a darkness within me no pun intended, you know, it's like darkness and then darkness within me. But um, I think that it's, I think it's very common though, when it, when it comes to like sleep and stuff, because when you put your head, when you, when you try and wind down from the day and you're so busy, busy, busy during your days, when you finally get to be still and like lay your head on the pillow is when your brain literally feels like it's screaming at you. Because so many times people with anxiety keep busy and want to distract themselves from certain thoughts during the day because that's what the only way they know how to cope. We know that that's not the healthy way to cope. Distraction is good at certain moments, but it's really a short-term relief. Um, so if you're someone that like does that and really is just a busybody and then your thoughts are screaming at you at night and you can't sleep, then there's probably a reason for that. You're not really accessing that part of the brain that needs to be really be rewired and reprocessed. Um, And I would wonder if I was working with you, what those thoughts are that are like screaming at Mm -hmm. night. Like what are the ruminating thoughts? Do you have a couple that just go over and over in your mind all night where you feel like you can't sleep or you're scared of something? Like what are those thoughts? And that's just the CBT in me would dive into that, you know? Um, Yeah. But yeah, it's hard. Yeah. No, I think a lot of people relate to that. And I I feel like I've gotten a lot of messages where people say like, I feel like most of my messages, actually, if I look at them, the DMs, they come in a lot of times at night hours. Interesting. So it kind of seems like, oh, when people are feeling like more anxious, like they're more likely to reach out. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, and there's a difference too between – is this person someone who finds it really difficult to fall asleep or does mm-hmm. this person find it okay, like pretty easy to fall asleep but then wakes up in the middle of the night, right? There's mm-hmm. – I've noticed that that's kind of different with a lot of people. They can either fall asleep but they yeah. wake up all the time or they just can't fall asleep at all. And then when they finally do, it takes so long but they can sleep because they're so exhausted. 
Yeah. I feel like when I have something super important the next day, like say early in the morning, I find myself waking up in the middle of the night, almost like a startled wake up because yeah. I'm like so scared of like missing my wake up call or something. So it's like, oh, and then it's like super hard for me to like go back to bed because I'll like jolt up with like in so much energy. You know what I mean? Oh, interesting. Like if you have something at like 7 or 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. and that you have to like be there by that time. I'll wake up at like 2 or 3 a.m. Just like jolt up like, oh, it's time to go. And then I look at my clock and I'm like, dear God, it's only 2. Like, and now I got to go back to bed. I have all this energy. It's such a weird thing. But And I'm try- I'm working on that. I, it's like, okay, your alarm's going to wake you up. You're not going to miss your alarm. It's one of those like just like control things. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's really hard. I, I do. I, I've been having off and on sleep stuff for probably all all my whole life, honestly, now that I think about it. But the last couple, me going through like at my age, maybe going through perimenopause and then like, you know, stuff with my dad dying and then just being worried about adulting and just different things come into your brain all the time. I just never know how I'm going to sleep at night now. I used to be able to think, oh yeah, I'll get like my eight hours and I'll wake up tomorrow refreshed. You know, that happened a little while for a little while in my 20s. Um, Now I'm just like, "Mm, I don't know. Hopefully I'll sleep good tonight. Who knows? (laughs) Like, yeah, so inconsistent. But the one thing I do know about me is that I have really good sleep hygiene. Really, really good sleep hygiene. So I know that I have a good environment that puts my mind and my body in a sleep mode and I know how to do that. So even if I don't get like a great night's sleep, I still feel like I can feel mostly rested the next day, even if it's like really bad. It's not like the best sleep, but it really varies for everybody. Just work on work on what finding out what those ruminating thoughts are seriously and tap into them. That's Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, we got through those faster than I thought we were. We did. Wait, I do have I did have one more question that someone asked me about, which was about nighttime anxiety. And we've talked about that a couple times on here already. I think that might even been part of one of our Q&As. But I did just want to remind everyone, our episode 35 is all about nighttime anxiety and nocturnal panic attacks. So go way back into the archives. <laughs> that can also help with the sleep anxiety. I bet we talked I bet yeah. we touched on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Totally. I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Uh, but someone had asked about that. So episode 35 – um, is a really helpful one when it comes to like if you're having nocturnal panic attacks or um, maybe just nighttime anxiety, whether it has to do with sleep or not. Who knows? But I think that could be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Very you guys nice. don't forget to don't forget to submit your questions because you know sometimes sometimes when we do these we don't get as many as and then like other months we get like twenty questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Um, Even like DM us a question, like be like, hey, question for the Q&A pod or something and we'll, we can like write it down. Yeah, totally. Um, but we do love everyone that continues to listen. Please rate, review and subscribe. We've gotten some newer reviews. We love you guys so much. Don't forget, we do giveaways every now and then. Um, so we're yeah. closing up on our giveaway from the last couple of days, but we do some really cool giveaways where I'll give away my book and Taylor will give away some, some CBD. I'll have like some coaching, um, program information that I give away like a session for free. Um, so go to the Instagram and make sure to, to follow us. 
um, on all platforms. But we love you guys, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. (laughs) My voice cracked. Bye. (laughs) Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.